After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Tabor Middle Middlecoff. I'm Guy. That's John. Hola. John is uh, preparing for the Japan-Mexico game, WBC game, on Monday afternoon, if you're listening to this. A lot of injuries, Guy. You see Altuve, broken thumb. Eight to ten weeks. The uh, ML, I read the MLB insurance policy, or the WBC insurance policy, will pay the Mets $18 million for uh, what's his name, Diaz's uh, foot injury, ankle injury, knee injury, whatever it is. Steve Cohen says, I will do whatever he needs. You see the guy that hit Altuve's, got in the yips? It's like, <laughs> should you be throwing if you don't know where it's going? I mean, not ideal. Not ideal. What what team hit him? What, is it a major leaguer? Is it a Yeah, I think American it was. Guy? I think he's on Venezuela. I think it was when America played Venezuela. I think it was on the game oh. where Trey Turner hit the grand slam. Altuve went oh, down. Oh, was that game? Yeah, I thought he got hurt so. before that. Oh, damn. Not, I'm not exactly sure on my um, my WBC timelines, but uh, I, I want some I did America learn Japan. Uh, I did learn something, and, and uh, uh, Japan USA would be cool on Tuesday if you're listening to this before the championship um, because Japan has like three of the best young players in the world, including the guy who's pitching on Monday night, uh, Roki Sasaki, I think. Yeah, Ro- Roki Sasaki. I guess when you hit, when a Japanese pitcher hits a batter, they usually give them a gift afterwards as an apology, like to their house or like something in their locker. Yeah, Send a so of wine. I mean, Sasaki in his last start hit a guy from uh, the Czech Republic with a hundred and one mile an hour fastball. Jesus. Uh, he showed up the next morning. He himself, not like he sent it via a courier or DoorDash or something. He showed up at the Czech Republic team hotel the next morning and brought him two bags of candy as a peace offering. The the Czech p- player then asked for a photo because the other guy, because Sasaki is such a superstar, 21 years old. I was expecting a little more than a candy. I don't know, like a gift card. Bags like of candy, <laughs> like two grocery bags. He went to CVS probably. I don't uh, know. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. That's <laughs> d- doesn't feel like a tradition we're ever going to adopt well, here. Give him a Rolex? What do you want to get? What do <laughs> no, you want to get? I mean, get? I don't know, like, uh, you know, 200 bucks to Flemings or something. I don't know. Like something Craig you Biggio can utilize. Racking up Flemings gift cards, getting what hit the, 18 what, times? What if this like a 31-year-old who's really been focused on his diet, trying to extend his career and doesn't eat sugars? I don't know. Uh, you remember when you used to listen to baseball on the radio and be like, uh, 
Our, for being a guest on the pregame show, John Middlecoff gets $100 to Houston's. When you're in town, it's Houston's where you want to eat. Do you think that we're going to hear less? Not, I mean, me, I'm not claiming to listen to too much baseball on the radio. Do you think story time's over now with the uh, pitch clock? It's just action as a, as a radio broadcaster, as oh, someone who's question. done it? Great question. I mean, would I you do you, less you, prep you will... if I told you you're doing a game opening weekend? A little less prep, knowing that it's just more action, less bullshit. Uh, I mean, yes you know, and John no. Peterson's I mean, I think... third cousin happens to be the football yeah. coach at the uh, JV Pee Wee League, where Tom Brady once played ball three outside. Back to Jack <laughs> Peterson's. You know, just I, that's done, guy. I, I think it's no more. I mean, I think you can think about all with even throughout history of baseball on the radio, all the story time. There's still so much dead air, you know, little, little less, though, a little less. Yeah, no, it's good. It's a you're going to go into spring you training. You're going to you're going to feel it live. The, the, the speed in which people up and down. Yeah, I can't wait. I because of your last spring training experience a few weeks ago, I'm going to make sure to get there by first pitch because I don't want to get there 30 minutes in. And, and could you be know, the seventh. Who, nobody's talking about, John, beer sales. You know, they usually cut it off in the seventh. Yeah. Well, if I get to the seventh in an hour and a half. Totally agree. What, what am I going to do? That's I, killing yeah. my beer sales. There should be, I, I saw the Eagles, the play clock, they want like quarter seconds. You know, like 21.1, 21.2. It's like, what are we, yeah. who do you think of these ideas? But I, I do, I do wonder if there should be a running clock somewhere at a baseball game you know, the countdown, the beer sales, because you, you, it can come idea. at you fast. Well, I guess you can't do a clock. It has to be like innings till like the You're innings right. should You're always be a something. different color. You know, I think the Eagles have to forget when we get to the red inning beer, <laughs> beer sales end. Eagles got too many people doing too many studies to figure out like, you know, if we, if we get the 0. 0.2 seconds on there, might help our well are they always are they always on the verge of do they get a bunch of delay games last year that they believe they were like go to the league like we had three delay games that shouldn't have been delays good quarterback didn't know i'd be in favor of can we stop doing delay of games in the nfl with with basically no assist from technology like why is it that, you know, it's always like, well, there's always a half second beat between when the clock hits zero, you still have time to snap the ball, even though it says zero, because the official's job is to watch the ball, then up at the clock. And then when he sees the clock hit zero, he's supposed to look back at the ball. If the ball's gone, then he doesn't throw the flag. You know, that's how they officiate it, which yeah, is it's why it's why you see a lot of snaps with zero and the whistle's not blown. Well, the, I remember the Niners got away with one. It was in the Dallas game. Um, it's the only clock situation in all of sports that's like subjective. It makes no sense. Yeah, we just have a like a buzz. I would. I'd be all for the shot clock buzzer, and then it's a delay game penalty in the NFL. Because like in basketball, it's very cut and dry. It's either out of your hand or it's not when it hits zero. Right? There's and no it way. matters. Like if we're not sure, we check the clock. Now I don't want to review on the NFL on that, but. Uh, you know, or it doesn't matter. Or we just say, snap it soon. But I, it's very weird how the NFL does it. It feels like the replay has definitely changed the way we consume. I do like the influx of clocks and pace of play. Like, I, I, mm -hmm. I'm i a big believer in just let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. My, my one beef with yeah. college football, if you could, and I understand it's it's not as high level of football, the players aren't as good. 
wouldn't you remove the free stop of the clock at the first down? So let's let's pick up the pace. Just play like normal football. Does the yeah, clock I have to stop it, when you like? Are, are you saying? Do you know that they've talked about this rule this offseason no, in college no, football? Is that, whoa, the powers are proposing. There's been a few proposals. One was should we uh, not even stop the clock after incomplete passes? Just keep that sucker rolling even after. Uh, see, I, I I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> that would eliminate a lot of plays. Um, but uh, yeah, I think they can eliminate like uh, 13 plays, 20 plays a game somewhere in that range if they just stop the clock after a first down only in the last five minutes or the last two minutes of a half, which the NFL, you know, you don't stop the clock in the NFL out of bounds except for in the last, is it five minutes or two minutes, whatever it is in the NFL. Might be four. But, yeah, four. I don't think, I think it's, it might be five. One thing that is unfair that happens a lot in college, which is impossible unless you hit incredible plays in the NFL are the comebacks like, one minute left, get the ball, but no timeouts. But you like take your time. It's like getting first downs. You just slowly move your way down the field. It's like you don't have any timeouts, but the fucking clock keeps stopping every time you get a first down. It's kind of, I can see if I'm a defensive coach in college football, like we're manipulating the sport a little bit at the end of games, you know? Especially yeah. if it's yeah, like it's- Iowa, Minnesota, or USC, Arizona. Like you're playing in real games that really matter and you get to beat me. Because the clock stops, yes. it's yeah. bullshit. Yeah. Which is kind of fun, right? It's which, about who cares. Yeah, there's a give like, and We take. don't care which one of you wins or loses as long as it's entertaining. It's truly manipulating the sport, though. Like, that's where did that even come from? I guess it's, it's always been there. As long as I think the sport, you know, part of it is the game is less efficient than the NFL game. Like the True. players aren't as good. You, in theory, you know, you won't. You're not completing as many of your passes. So, well, like the one foot you know, rule, totally. Help. The one foot, you shouldn't have to get two in college, right? I'm cool with that. Yeah, I'm yeah, exactly. That's fine. That's no problem. What if you made the NFL two? Did that make the NFL better instead one, of two mean? one? I mean, gave, make made it the college rule. I think you'd have a lot more completions, wouldn't you? Like crazy catches down the sideline. I think you would have dramatically more sweet plays. Think how many plays get overturned. Oh, what a oh, one foot shit. You yeah, <laughs> I would say like. Throughout a given weekend, seven, eight incredible catches are overturned because it's just one foot. Now, I probably would vote against it now that I think about it, just because because the rule is so difficult, we have pushed these elite athletes to the maximum edge of their capabilities, and they do it. It's what makes the NFL or any sport at the highest level so great is like you make it hard, and these guys still are are able to do it and still are great. And that's part of the fun of it is like, let's yeah. push it. Let's push it as far as we can and see if these people can still play the sport. And they do. So that's kind of some of the fun of the NFL, I guess. Well, I was talking to someone this weekend about remember, like uh, you went one when the year Fresno state won it, but like some of the games at Omaha before they rolled back the college baseball bats, it used to be like LSU Stanford 21 to 19. It was just like, yeah. ping, 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 ping. And it's still. I think there's a famous Pat Burrell game, Miami, in the late '90s, like 28 runs or something. Yeah, yeah, 21, 18 or something like that. Yeah. Have you seen a dramatic? I mean, you've gone to college baseball game, called them. Like, is it lessen the pop of the bat, or is it still? Oh well, they dialed it way back, and now they've actually undialed it a little bit because oh, they got so too far. Bad. Gotcha. Yeah. So they might have dialed it back from that again. I, it's, yeah. Who? Oh, I was talking to my buddy Orlando, who's like, yeah, like Lance Berkman, his senior year at Rice, hit fifty-five home runs or something. You know, I was like, what? There were some guys that 
Berkman, man. 55 home runs. Bryce did good baseball. Yeah, they did. Humber and they had uh, some Jeff dudes. Neiman. Stanford O-line coach still there? Uh, Bloomberg? Stanford's Bloomberg? Bloomgren, yeah. Bloomgren. Yeah. That's a tough place to play football, easier place to coach baseball. In theory, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if baseball? there's uh, I looked the other day, top twenty five baseball, seven of the top like ten teams, SEC. I mean, they are no. dominating. It's crazy. Money right uh lifts all boats. That's right. Uh you got me. I'm 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 pulling up uh oh Pete and Cavilia. He's the all time leader. He had forty eight one year. Berkman hit forty one, Troy Gloss hit thirty four, UCLA in ninety seven. Kevin Mensch. McGuire hit 32. Chris Bryant hit 31. JD. Oh, JD Drew. Woo. Tommy Mendoza. Huh? Uh, Tommy, no, but there is a I don't know, 80s bulldog on this list. Um, all right, should we get on with it? Yeah. Let's get to some uh, Niners free agency talk, John. We've had a week of free agency, and uh, free agency's been dead for the big boys for about a week. So, like, the stuff that was going to happen, happened. Dalton Schultz out there, we'll see if he gets a contract. What, but, do, what do they say? Uh, you know, a, a bird in the hand is better than some birds in the bush. Some of these guys thought the birds would be flying. Free in the bush. I, I, I would argue that if uh, you didn't strike while the iron was hot Monday, Tuesday, because by Wednesday, the deals just had all had happened, the previous two deals, when it became official. Yeah, uh, uh, three in the bush, I think. Isn't it three? I think it's two, but I, two. I would say with with the inflated inflation, um, inflation higher salary caps, you, you could do three, maybe maybe three, and like uh, another animal in there in the bush as well. Uh, all right, let's talk, let's start, and then we can uh, we can uh, go to other things. Um, I saw today Peter King in his football morning in America gave one week free agency report cards. Number one, his number one ranked team was the Bears because of their trade with the Panthers. And the 49ers were number two um, because of their week. But also, I mean, based mostly on the belief that they got maybe the most talented available player in free agency. Yeah, I think last year. So we'd have to say that's their biggest positive is my point. I would say by far the biggest positive is that it was shocking a week we're recording this a week later that on Monday when it was announced that they had signed a you know a massive deal and you know forty million dollars guaranteed was one of the bigger guarantees given out to a true free agent. Only <laughs> McGlinchey was a little higher. Uh, not only got a stud, but a position in need. I mean, the defensive tackle position was a problem. I, I saw Barros. You know, I was, I was reading some of our boys' work. And they had four less sacks this year. Like, obviously, their defensive line, I think, is held in high regard around the NFL. Like, not even fans. I'm just saying when NFL players, NFL coaches talk Niners, the first thing they say, defensive line pass rush. Four less sacks this year than they had on their Super Bowl team. And obviously, there's an extra game. So, while it's really good, little inflated, Bosa gets as dramatically improved, right? Whatever he, what he end up with, 16, 17 sacks. Then they get these random guys off the other edge, but interior pass rush, Armstead, he was not really around, right? He was injured the majority of the season. Kinlaw was just a negative. I mean, he's just injured and disappears as well and is not any good when he's actually on the field. So to get a guy who is not just an impact player, 11 sacks for, you know, 
I saw New Heights, Jason Kelsey called the Niners a rival in the sense of like, you know, kind of what he was saying is like, we're the two best teams and we're going to play next year. It's kind of just going to be a rivalry moving forward. To st- it, I'd argue it's a double whammy. You get a stud and you remove it from a team, which, yeah. let's face it, you're kind of chasing now. That's true. That's true. Now, because I mean, what, what, year, what, there, what, it was what, a 16 game schedule, by the way. So it was the same number of games, right? What do you mean? Did they have a first round bye. You said they had four less sacks than they did the Super Bowl year. Is that was that your stat? Yeah, but my point, I, I'm talking about during the regular season. So, like, oh, oh, oh gotcha. There, okay. There, there was Understood. an extra 17th game. Gotcha. I thought you were counting the Super Bowl as the extra game. I think in a perfect world, it's weird because they play different positions. But like, you know, the Eagles is Hargrave better than Slay Bradbury combined? When you factor in, they got a tenth pick. They could draft a corner. You know, they kind of had to do like put the pieces of the puzzle together on their roster. But by no means did they like he just got out of their price range. But they did really value like he was one of their better players, right on a on a powerhouse team. I think the other thing with him that really makes Javon Hargrave a fit and it makes it a win is he perfectly fits your team's identity. I said it last week when we talked about him, you've, and I was, I was quoting what you've said for years, as long as you've been in the media game since uh, your scouting career ended with the Eagles. And that is everyone has to understand that free agency is not plug and play. And so I think it's not just that they got this really talented player. And then also the thing you added, they took him from one of their rivals or maybe their main rival, but that he fits exactly what their identity is. They've been from the beginning. They've been a roller coaster team, but one thing they've always been is what they said they were going to be, which is a team built from the middle up or from the defensive line back. And um, he fits their identity perfectly. So there's not a lot of wonder about whether or not he'll fit in. Um, you know, I think you feel feel pretty confident that he is a free agent. You don't have to wait and see kind of what you're going to get from him. Uh, and the and we know why he's gone too, right? That Philly, even though they just brought Slay back, they just had so many good players available. They couldn't keep all of them. It wasn't like a why did Amari Cooper get traded from the Cowboys? Well, Cowboys can't afford him, and he doesn't really fit their locker room, right? It was a they would have kept him if they could have, but they couldn't, so they didn't. I, th- there was also a variable with the Eagles where when you talk about two of their defensive linemen that they're returning, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, there's a little legacy element, right? Like for them, it'd be the equivalent of like a Joe Staley. You know, uh, if Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman, probably more Willis than Bowman, would have had a longer career. Like it's hard to get rid of guys that have been elite, that you drafted, that are homegrown, and they re-sign those guys, like the 49ers salary cap hit on Hargrave this year is pretty small. I think it's like five or six million dollars. So it's not like the cap number they couldn't have manipulated like the 49ers did. But if they did, they would have had to say bye to Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, which I, I think they couldn't do that quite yet, given that they just had a lot of success. Because ultimately, those are their guys. Not that Hargrave isn't because he's a better player than those two guys combined, really. <laughs> I mean, Brandon Graham's a backup now, and Fletcher is, I don't want to say a shell of himself, but he's not nearly as good. Like, if he was a free agent, he wasn't getting, <laughs> you know, Javon Hargrave over. Yeah. Uh, J- Javon Hargrave, I saw. Javon. I, I saw that on his football reference the day he signed, and I'm like, I don't always trust that page, but Javon Hargrave. His, um, his nickname is Grave Digger. 
Gravedigger, great nickname. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Is great Gravedigger's a big uh is Gravedigger still a monster truck? That was a monster truck has when we to were be. kids. I mean, yeah, it's, why would it? it's not like a, an athlete that ages out and has to retire and just keep no. putting the thing on the yeah, at Arco. Um Niners still need a, a kicker. Niners losing their right tackle was celebrated, but they still need a right tackle, but they saved money. I I guess you could argue we'll see. Um, but I'll stick with positive. Sorry. Sam Darnold. I don't know if that's the second biggest positive, but it's a positive. They got to Josh Johnson last year, and it was not close to good enough in their most important game of the year. So even if we talk about Sam in the least dramatic way possible and say he's your third quarterback, um, it's still they got better at a position that turned out to be a critical position for them last year and is the most critical position on a team with two quarterbacks returning who are coming off injuries. Yeah, I I would say the identity of Kyle Shanahan – first and foremost has been the investment in the line of scrimmage. And I would say right behind that is just having a lot of bullets in his gun at the quarterback position. I mean, think about last year, they drafted a quarterback, which paid massive dividends when Jimmy Garoppolo went down without Brock Purdy, who know they could have easily had been in a situation where it's a Matt McGloin. It's a, you know, some random guy that you just lose with. And they invested that position. He earned his way to beat a guy out. And I think they doubled down on doing that again because one thing that was out of their control was the Purdy injury. News turned out pretty good, right? It could have easily gone, you know, he needs the whole thing. He's probably going to be gone for the season. Instead, it was Brace should be able to play, right? We yeah. don't know exact date, and we won't know until really he starts throwing. And even then, it's like, can he throw for three weeks straight, or is it getting sore, or is it getting swollen? Like, there are definitely hurdles to climb. But I think the Darnold thing is like a double whammy because we've talked about this. It creates competition. But two, like Trey does get to start the offseason. If Purdy was healthy, he wouldn't have been able to do it. Just getting the main reps while being pushed with a guy who has a lot of experience, who's a high-level guy, who, you know, you said you watched before we hopped on here, the uh, the press conference, like yeah, high character, well-liked, just kind of that L.A., kind of easygoing he's kind of got the unique kind of liner Sanchez vibe, mm-hmm. you know, going, which Sanchez, I know people that worked on teams when he started bouncing around like beloved teammate. Yeah. You know, comfortable. Sam, I would say comfortable in their skin is how I would describe all three of them. Did you see uh, when Sam was walking around the Niner facility with Hargrave and, and, and Farrell Pharrell, he had on like the van shoes. Oh. It's just the classic, like it was Newport, San Diego look. Uh, so he, he plays into it. And, and the other thing is, guy, I do believe – I'm not saying that they can strike oil with him, but if you told me Sam Darnold, who clearly had the best stretch of his career, the end of Carolina, who is now comfortable because Steve Wilkes, a guy that he was singing his praises in that press conference, right? He knows Christian well. So he comes into an environment where he knows a main coach, the defensive coordinator, knows one of the star players, and then comes to a place where – I think kind of deep down, they they kind of like this, taking projects in a weird way. I mean, I think ideally they'd love their Mahomes or Allen, but clearly that's fucking not happening. Yeah. So they'll take the next best thing is making Purdy into a stud, making Sam Darnold resurrect his career. So he's he's got a hell of an opportunity, man. Yeah, he, was cheap. Uh, he seems like a, a cheap and a willing learner, I would say, watching his press conference. Um, knows how to say all the right things, knows how to handle – you know, I think one maybe quality about Darnold we didn't talk about that uh, didn't talk about last week 
he has now in a short amount of time kind of had several different NFL experiences. He's been the golden child savior. He's been the, we don't want him anymore. Kick him to the curb back a, a, a cut quarterback hurt. He's been a hurt quarterback. He's been a highly criticized quarterback. He's been an invested in traded for quarterback. He's been a cast aside quarterback again. So in a room that Trey and Brock are not controversial, but the, but the, the, their situation has the potential to be controversial. You've got a guy who's been in some pretty controversial, like the Jets thing is pretty controversial, just being a Jets quarterback. And he's an uncontroversial person. Um, I think is a, that, that also makes him a very good fit. I, th- I don't know who said this. I think it was like one of those Instagram accounts, like leadership slash wealth or whatever. And it's always like, <laughs> you know, an Elon Ed, or Ed, a, Ed. What's the guy's name? Ed. Um, Ed Milet. Milet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just, I love Ed. Uh, that it was either Bezos or Elon. And they say it's one of those, like, what's the first question you ask when you're interviewing someone? Yeah. It might've been Bezos. And it says, tell me a time when, you know, in, in a professional situation, when shit hit the fan. Or like you, you handled serious adversity, and it, it kind of made like most people. If you get to the point where you're interviewing with a boss, or you're interviewing in the NFL, or whatever, like you got there for a reason. But like, if you really want to get to know someone, like, what did you do when uh, the radio station threw you to the curb? You know, how how did you find a way to keep food on the table? You know, you and I can say that, but th- there's a lot of people that if life goes pretty well, it doesn't matter if like, regardless who you are. You know, you get you can go a long period of time without kind of like going through some rough seas. And it's going through rough seas and going through tough times, whether you're a quarterback, whether you run a small business, whether you're just a couple podcasters, I do think it kind of wake you up a little bit and, and just kind of put you in and help you grow. And that's one thing that the 49ers quarterback room, I'd say all has. Trey, a lot of adversity early. Injuries, not playing. People think he sucks. Darnold, we've just hit on it. Purdy, fuck, was this last pick in the draft, gets to start, becomes a stud, boom, elbow ripped. And even, didn't you say that he said after the season that like, you know, I got to kind of practice what I preach now. <laughs> I say yep. I'm this tough it, mentally it SOP. I better handle it pretty well. Yep. It was a really great line by him. So they're all they're all in a similar boat in their own different ways. And uh, Sam, you know, the other thing is Sam has been in that boat that these two guys are in trying to prove themselves. And um, if he's what he says he is, he's there to help them. I mean, he's there to help the team win. That's what he repeated. While we're talking, we can talk offensive line. The 49ers have signed John Feliciano. It's not just the chat that's telling it. John, I've confirmed it on other parts of the Internet. Sometimes the chat uh, is like a fake Schefter, but this time the chat is right. A chance here on the uh, chat quotes, a story. Feliciano played a career high 971 snaps last year. I actually had him at more while amassing a healthy uh, 97.6 pass blocking efficiency rating per PFF. He also had the the fewest sacks allowed. I have him on PFF as the third fewest, but whichever. I've got him at over 1,000 snaps. This number, oh, did that say over 1,000? 971. I had him over 1,000 snaps, but whatever. Um, so offensive line depth, kind of the, maybe, maybe they, fa- maybe they factor in like uh field goal in some of those could be. I also, well, I, this has him at center last year. Uh, let's see, Philly, 
Sorry. Uh, at 1,095 snaps at center last year. But he can also play guard. What you team know, was he on last year? The Cowboys? Giants. Giants. Yeah. Um, they, um, you know, the Niners have invested. They've got about 35 million invested in their starting offensive line. 20, you know, seven of it in Trent Williams and about eight in the other four spots. Banks, Brendel, Burford, and let's say McKivitz right now. So, you know, everyone kind of got what they wanted in a change at right tackle. But the question now is, how does this line fit together? But, but see, I think that's a good signing. I like signings like the second week of free agency. One, they never cost much money. And two, you can just get good role players. I think you see it a lot with when you sign Trent Sherfield signed today with the Bills. Like Trent Sherfield is an NFL player on your NFL roster that doesn't cost you that much that you do not sign Wednesday or Thursday of free agency. Right. But you immediately do you know, for $1.8 million or $1.5 million, you lose Brunskill. One thing that's hard in like the scouting community is it's easy to have like a Trent Williams or Lane Johnson or, you know, whoever the star center is, you know, Jason Kelsey. Well, that guy at any moment can shatter his leg or pull his hammy or miss a game. So you have to have a guy, usually multiple offensive linemen, one a tackle. Your backup tackle has to be able to play left and right. Or one of your tackles that starts has to be able to swing. And ideally, your backup tackle to keep him on the roster has to be able to swing. And I would say your backup guard slash center has to be able to do it both. One thing Daniel Brunskill had, he was a pretty unreal backup. Because at any moment he could start, and you could win with him as a starter, and he was perfectly suited to be a backup. So those guys, like, listen, you say the most boring thing on draft night is drafting an offensive lineman high, and it's true. Now, once that guy becomes Trent Williams or Lane Johnson or whatever, it's sweet. But at the time, like Joe Staley from Central Michigan isn't as fun until four years later he makes a Pro Bowl. And you're like, God, that was a hell of a pick. But the backup offensive linemen are easily probably the most boring guys on the team. They are viewed in a front office with any coach, especially Kyle, who's the offensive play caller, as fucking very valuable. So that type move, like losing run skills, you know, it's not going to be a headliner like a Hargrave or you know McGlinchey getting fifty million. Like that was a sneaky, like pretty big 49er story that no one's going to spend more than five minutes talking about beside the 49ers internally. Yeah. Yep. Uh, one one thing. Seattle played a thousand. So I just his center John last year. He the year before in Buffalo with Dayball, he played a lot of left guard and some right guard. The year before that with Dayball, he played mostly right guard and some center and some left guard. The year before that, he played a ton of right guard and some center. So he's, you know, he's played all three interior offensive line positions. Played for a lot of winning teams. I feel like he didn't he play three years in Buffalo and four years with the Raiders. So, <laughs> but remember when he was on the Raiders, a couple of those good Jack Del Rio, like the one Jack Del Rio team that made the playoffs, and that would have been sixteen. Yeah, De- Derek's kind of breakout year with the when their offensive line was at the time viewed as one of the better in the league, right? With like Donald Penn, him, yep. Gabe Jackson. Um, Who's the other what's big his guy? Name? Uh, Mississippi State guy. It was a pretty good player. I forget his name. Who but... went to the Cardinals? Was that Gabe? Or is the guy we're trying to think of? No, G- G- yeah, G- uh, Rodney Hudson. Yeah, Rodney Hudson. So <laughs> now I don't know. I don't even know if he was a full-time starter on that team. But What year was that team? That would have been 16 Luciano played 47 snaps on offense that year. So it wasn't a full-time starter, but you bring value. Butcherbox.com slash ham. 
and another special deal free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called game time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. One positive, free agency, when you really look at the names that signed, Hergrave, I think most people would agree with Peter King or whoever in the media that's writing it was the best player. If you just remove age and whatever, just pure on tape, most dominant player that every team in the league would want. If you didn't have to factor in, I don't have the money to sign them. That's not an ideal. Like free agency is usually led by Aaron judges, Kevin Durant, you know, Peyton Manning. I mean, yeah. So the free agency class sucked, but the 49ers throughout guys throughout the league they got an astronomical amount of money and as we saw last year they are headed for comp picks separate from Rand getting a job and you know the Washington coach getting a job and Mike McDaniel getting a job just their players getting paid McGlinchey and Jimmy combined for almost 90 million dollars in guaranteed cash Mosley got six million dollars Al Shire got I think seven or eight million dollars guaranteed they had guys spread throughout the league get cash, which is going to yield them picks. I don't know what Jordan Willis got. That number hasn't been uh, reported today, John, but he signed with the Raiders today. Bo- both their pass rushers, right? Amenahu and uh, whoever the dude is that signed with the Chiefs. Ebukam? Ebukam. They both got paid some cash. What was Al Shire's number wasn't huge. It was, was it like six? No, I thought I saw six. Or, I thought I saw seven, maybe. But it all adds up. We're waiting on Robbie Gold's $6 million contract somewhere, too. (laughs) Yeah, we'll keep waiting there, Rob. Did you say? I I would say that the two things that really helped the 49ers is McGlinchey's number was astronomical. Yep. I mean, astronomical. Because without, if McGlinchey does not exist, we're not talking about this, that thing immediately starts them on like rounding second. Then you just add. They had a mid-tier quarterback, not a great quarterback, but a guy get thirty-five million guaranteed. Look how many guys that signed good players, the safety Jesse Bates that went to the Falcons, these random guys that signed all over the league. Most people are not getting thirty-five million dollars guaranteed. So Jimmy's number, and it's not he. Get, it's a three or sixty-eight whatever million-dollar contract. So that the numbers on those two guys alone are two of the bigger contracts given out in free agency. I heard uh, maybe it was Jeff Howe said. Like, you know, because Peter King's argument was there's kind of a middle class in, in NFL quarterback free agency this year with Jimmy and Gino, where they're usually the last few years, there has not been a middle class. There's been eight million dollar guys and then everyone else gets, you know, 40, 30 plus. Yeah. yeah. Something insane. And he's and he was making the point, like, even if you're Jimmy and you've made more money, you still just sign for thirty five million dollars guaranteed. That's even for a rich guy. That's a massive chunk of change. Um and if he and if he finds a way to stay healthy and he's the starter, let's just say for the next two years, we say this all the time about quarterback. That number is actually probably more like he's going to make forty-five million dollars right, in two right. years. Give me another win or a loss, positive or negative, from Niners free agency. I would say one thing going with the negatives is they just lost a lot of players that have helped them win big games over the years. Jimmy Ward, 
I mean, think how many times over the years on a Monday night game two years ago with the season on the line against the Rams and Jimmy Ward to make it 14 nothing, pick sixes that ball, and it was like the route's on. How many times Jimmy Ward just made plays, big tackles, just was a solid starter for them. Say what you want about Al Shire. The other two guys, I mean, Fred separated himself a long time ago, and Greenlaw separated himself this year. When Al Shire, whose video guy is fucking incredible, go to his Instagram account, he has some pretty sweet highlights of some big picks, some big tackles. Like, that guy just... The difference of Al Shire to me and Flanagan Fowles, who they didn't even tender, and just the other names, not name the top guys, yeah. is a pretty Orton big Burks. gap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Al Shire's a legitimate NFL player. Now, ideal starter, we could argue that, but like, if that's your third linebacker, holy shit. Yeah. Just a, he, he, the level of play maybe drops off a hair. The level of physicality did not drop off with him. You know, I, I think, yeah, the speed, just the, the, the tone that the starter set, that did not drop off when you went to Aziz Al Shire. And he was a guy that they kind of found. I just always, when I think about the last few years of going to Niners practice, one image that always sticks in my head is the linebacker. Those three linebackers, just the three of them, Al Shire, Greenlaw, and Fred Warner, were their own little pod. Like, they did their own little thing. The other linebackers would be off doing drills or doing whatever else they did, and it would be those three guys and only those three guys spending a lot of time together. So Al Shire was much closer to their equal than, like, the equal of the next linebacker on the depth chart, right? And you just broke, you know, that little group had a little, had just had to break up, you know, that little group just kind of, you know, there have been position groups over the years on every team where they're just, they're a little group. And that group of three linebackers, only two of them would play at the same time, but that group of of three just broke up with Al Shire and Jimmy, you know, is Jimmy the last? No, Jimmy's not the last bulky draft pick, right? Armstead. Armstead. Yeah. I think one of the last, I think it's him, those two. Yeah. Um, and the other, like you mentioned, Jimmy Ward, I'd say say just the safety group is a little less deep. It feels like now last year they found Gibson and that was great. Right. That worked out better than anyone could have imagined. Um, who funga turned out to be a major hit for them. Odom, but it's that, that I would say I'd put that on my question marks. Just, are they going to get through? Is it just going to work again, Gibson and Hufunga, and you're not going to worry about it? Is that going to work two years in a row? I, I just think part of building a good football team, more than the other sports, because you have so much turnover every year, is like when the Chiefs pivoted off. They didn't pivot. I mean, they just couldn't afford them. Ward comes to the Niners. What do they do? They draft heavy corners, right? They draft McDuffie. They end up drafting the, what's the USC transfer to Washington State? Uh, Watson? Jalen. They draft him. They, they drafted another player. I think they drafted three DBs last year. And by the like the second half of the season, into the playoffs, like those guys are all making plays. And you just have to – the Niners have already done that with Lenore, with uh, Ambry Thomas. They've done it with Hufunga. Like you just – you kind of got to replenish. There's always a pivot. I mean, I would say when they signed Greenlaw last year, whenever that was in training camp or whatever, the writing was on the wall like, it's just kind of going to move forward with those two. When this guy hit free agency, Al Shire was not going to be part of the conversation. So it's just, it's part of the puzzle of building the team. 
And I think as long as you have Fred, uh, you, you feel pretty good and you just invest heavily in the line of scrimmage. And that brings me to the other negative of like, under no circumstances could you, I'm glad they didn't do this a couple years ago. You couldn't extend Mike McGlinchey unless he gave you just some incredible like three-year, $21 million deal, which clearly would have been one of the worst financial decisions in the history of mankind. He knew that. And unpopular. And un- do you think it's $7 million a year would have been unpopular? I think it would have been unpopular. <laughs> Period. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Even uh, if that's not th- fair. Three-year, $10 million, People would have had to like financials like this just makes sense right uh yeah yeah what is the number at at three years that would have ever been like okay totally get it makes sense i can live with it uh you know really like 15 or 17 it might have felt that way you just don't get consistent starting right tackles for that price johnny because look at what it just cost them now you would have said they'd argue like at 25 million it'd be a deal based on what he just got right but people would not have accepted that 25 people would have been outraged. I think if you got closer to 10 and you just like, hey, look around the league, he's like the 30th paid right tackle, people would get it. But yeah, it, it, he was not high on the totem pole of uh, likes and thumbs up with, uh, <laughs> I mean, I would say he was the most polarizing player, non like quarterback on the Niners pretty consistently. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but again, the game's played in the arena, John, not on Twitter. True. And he just got $50 million guaranteed. And within a year or two, you and I have both theorized. I think not that people underestimate, but I I think it's going to get ugly fast for McGlinchey. That's going to be a polarizing team. Russ has already taken arrows. Sean Payton is going to get a little leeway. He's not going to get blamed for this. Very quickly, Mike McGlinchey is going to play in some big games on national television. And it's like, People are already making fun of Russ. So like when Russ is getting sacked and it's coming from his side, it could get ugly quick and we know how he reacts. But I don't want McGlinchey on this team if I'm John Lynch or Kyle Shanahan, obviously for the money. But you do have to fill the right tackle spot. And it is. it even crossed my mind today in the shower. Stuff I think about. Like Trent is almost 35. Now he's still awesome and the every single good player in the Niners constantly says, I think he's the best football player like I've ever seen. He's definitely the best player on our team. But like, let's just say he's got two more elite years. You got he's under contract. Like, that's another thing you eventually got to figure out. Like, how do you replace him? So you kind of got these two tackle positions, big picture, one in the immediate, and the other one is you're not gonna suck. It's like, how do the Patriots ever get the number one pick? Well, as long as Bill Belichick's their coach, they're never going to win less than like six games. And honestly, it's probably going to be more like seven or eight every year. You're fucked. So it's like, as long as you have these star players, you're probably never, worst case scenario, you're winning like eight, nine games. And you're never going to draft top 10 to get some sweet Trent Williams tackle. But like, who's just going to play right tackle this year? Can you get by with and some of these randoms? Maybe. But maybe over the period of time there is a little bit of a drop off yeah and who knows i mean it might be that you know part of it is who's going to play left tackle after trent williams part of it the last couple years has been somebody else at some point in the year has to play left tackle for trent williams that has occurred right like as unsexy sometimes as o-line depth is probably every team's fan base understands how important it is but 
you know, if you watch the Niners every day for the last several years, you really understand how important offensive line depth is because they've played huge games. They played a, a basically a playoff game without Trent Williams at left tackle two years ago. So uh, it's a major part of, of who they are. Really, McGlinchey's been one of their most reliable pieces for several years, right? So for all of the negatives, that is what you're replacing, is a guy that you, for a lot of time, didn't have to worry about if who was starting to right tackle or not. I think beside the year when Staley broke his leg and, and McGlinchey tore his ACL, McGlinch, it feels like McGlinchey started every single game. I mean, I could be wrong. He might have missed one with like a member. Didn't he have like a hamstring injury or something? But it, it feels Flawed. like all reliable. He, he sure fucking played a lot, man. Now, it wasn't always pretty. Played eight and games in 21, so he spent that year hurt. Okay, so he's at, he got hurt in 19 and hurt in 21. Yeah, so... That's three out of five. It's two out of five years. So that's a lot. So yeah, maybe, it is. maybe I'm misremembering a little. He missed a game this year? No. And he was definitely hurt this year. So he played through injury. Like the thing with that was weird about McGlinchey. No one, like I, I don't, like he he is a tough guy. Like he if he has a, an injury where he can play, he's going to play. He is all in on the team. Like he's just a good guy to have on the team. But all that starts, <laughs> once you get to price points, I think even a couple years ago, they knew like this is going to be he's represented by Condon and his group. And Tom's now son runs it with Patrick Collins. Uh, the guys that I mean, they represent Trey. I mean, they represent all the high price guys. They pr- had to know like, you know, like real estate, it might be flawed, but it's it, it's a position where if you're just decent, you're fine. And the the, the one thing he had going for him, which. I, I think most people listening to this, most people that are negative on him do not like give the pass on this or like think that he's the reason for this, but it's like he's a starter on the powerhouse team. Like teams feel good about that. I saw Fitterer, mm-hmm. the the GM for Carolina. They signed like uh Miles Sanders, Adam Thielen, and maybe like Hayden Hurst. Who he called a winner, but he originally started on the on the Ravens. They're like we th- hire, uh, signed three guys that are come from winning organizations, and that's a big like that matters to us. So like we get guys that n- come from places where the standards high and they're used to going to the playoffs. And I can th- I would imagine that was Sean Payton goes one. We just need a right tackle, and two like I get a guy who plays a lot of big games, knows what it's like, who's played in playoff games, a ton of them, starts in big games. Which you could argue, like, well, I'm part of it is like, you can give me about thirty guys that could, we could have just replaced in that spot, and then we can make that argument. But that is an argument that's made. Um, I'll give you a positive, not big, uh, kind of along your lines of not big name signings, um, but guys that could make an impact. And I would say specifically, the one guy that I'm familiar with, Miles Hartsfield, was the guy they just signed from Carolina, who Steve Wilkes knows. Then they also signed Isaiah Oliver from the Falcons. And I think kind of, it's not, I'm trying to think what the best comp for him is. He compared himself to K1 Williams. Um, But he's interesting in that he was coming off an ACL last year, right? So maybe you feel like you bought a little low on a guy that was a really high draft pick because he should be better this year than he was last year. He didn't start last season. He came back last during the season from the ACL. But the one thing I remember about him, in Col- specifically around the Pac-12, Colorado, Utah, um, those are two schools that have really stood out as having 
kind of the guys who Seattle's classic defenses physically would have liked. Taller, long, really long-arm corners. And Isaiah Oliver is that. He's a really long-armed guy. And I wonder, I'd be curious, I haven't heard, if Steve Wilkes has said something, I missed it. I, well, I don't think Steve has even talked, so I don't think he said anything. But I'd be curious if Steve Wilkes liked him coming out of college or something like that. He was a Where did he go to college? Colorado. And was drafted, I think, was he a second-round pick? Um, so he played with, like, LaVishka, like, on some of those uh, teams? Yeah. Yeah, I think he would have because he's young, 26. Yeah. So, you know. Um well, I don't know. 2018 was his rookie year, so maybe he missed LaVisca. But I think that's a good pickup. I think he's a I think he's a I think I think he probably has a high floor as a player. And you and I talked about this when they signed Steve Wilkes. Just what position does a did a guy coach? He was a DB coach. So I always I think you should always have an eye on a coordinator who coached a particular position when they sign that that position. I, I think Isaiah Oliver is going to be a good player for them this year. I, I think one thing that, you know, when I was in, you know, these meetings and still talking to my buddies now about players, like why is this guy on the open market or why this guy gets snatched up so fast? It's like if you're not going to be, quote unquote, a lock starter, like ultimately Charvarius Ward, what he does on special teams irrelevant because he's not going to play him. But if I don't know you're going to start, you bring anything else to the table. And if you're a lineman, you're not starting, you better be able to play multiple positions like we talked about earlier with Feliciano and McKivitz and these players over the years. If you're going to be a defensive back or a wide receiver and not start, like, can you cover kicks? Remember last year, like, Danny Gray made a tackle. I was like, damn, didn't know he had that in the bag. No. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, no wonder you're going to fucking dress every game. Said a lot about him, I thought. I would say Sherfield, you're going to look up and Sherfield is going to have like a 12 year career. And it's going to be the majority of it's going to be, he's going to have a random touchdown here and there, but it's going to be a lot of special teams. You see who you just signed with? The, the Bills. And to me, he's like, to me, he's a winning player. Sherfield could play for my team any day of the week. And it goes back. I remember when the Niners signed him and Larry Fitzgerald's like, I've loved this guy from the moment I met him. It's like, God, that's a pretty impressive, uh, you know, person of reference. So, like, these type role players, they got to play on punt, on kickoff, and typically have to be physical guys. And I, I think the one thing I read about Oliver is, like, they feel pretty good about him on, on special teams. So, like, that's just w- one thing you're going to have to do. I need special teams bodies. And we've talked about, like, one reason the 49ers feels like I've kind of sucked on special teams. Because, obviously, their front, their starters are so physical. But it felt like, God, they're – their special teams aren't that physical. Yeah. I do think the more and more Sherfield types you can get, Danny Gray's making big tackles, you can become more physical on special teams as a tackling unit. And it's just, it's harder to suck as bad as they were a couple years ago. And I wonder if part of it is like being low on those units. They value, they even talk about that more. And that's like, let's face it. Like once you're really diving into your special teams units, like how you're building your team, like you're pretty far along. Like Frank and those guys building the Coles, like, we just need to like who's our starting units. I mean, that's that's stuff like good teams talk about, like the Chiefs talk about, the Bills are talking about, the Niners are talking about, the Eagles talk about. When you when you're starting the thing from the Cowboys should be talking about, you know, if if I'm Gannon and OC Mossenfort with the Cardinals, like let's just let's just fucking try to get 22 decent starters, you know, or the Texans. Like I'm not as consumed with like who's covering my punts. So that, that is something that, like, I, I would say on the margins could take the 49ers to the next level. Like, you have a top 10 cover unit. Yeah. Which would be the 
the most unheard of thing in the Kyle Shanahan era. Yeah, I mean, I think if even – I don't – I could pull up the PFF numbers. Top it was a point of difference for Harbaugh. It was, but he did it with a very specific – Yeah, formula. He played his best players on special teams. So, you know, are they willing to do that? One thing that I found pretty interesting is like uh, the Eagles kind of ran it back, right? They, they, they rolled back Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. They re-signed both their corners. Uh, most of their guys are under contract. That, you know, you could argue like the two, they had the two corners last year. And, you know, according to you could Debo, they weren't exactly covering everybody. But uh, the one thing you could not dispute if we were nitpicking the defense, their defense line was dominant. And they just lost 11 and a half sacks. And there's a decent chance that their ages, Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox, are going the wrong way. So if they got just – they're still going to be awesome, right? Because their offense – last year, they drafted in the second round a center guard. I think he's from Iowa. I forget where he's from, but he was really good. Maybe Minnesota. And they just lost a guard to Pittsburgh, Isaac Samuelu. And he's just – got a plug-and-play. Like they did a year before with Landon Dickerson. Boom, Brandon Brooks retires, plug and play. They always draft offensive linemen and plug and play. Kelsey's coming back. Their offense is going to be loaded. But if their defense is just incrementally a little worse from a pass rushing standpoint, you know, maybe they aren't just some lock 14 15 win team and it's more like 12. I would say the Cowboys, you know, and this to me is a, a negative for the 49ers in the sense of like, Eagles get a little worse, but they were already better than you. Did the Cowboys get a little better? Like, added Brandon Cooks. Like, I Googled his football reference. I was like, he's been a little more productive than I think most people think. You put him there with Lamb. You get rid of Zeke, so there's not a little hanging over their head. They keep Pollard. Their offense should be pretty explosive. And defensively, like, that was kind of what they hung their hat on last year, right? Their coach is back, the defensive coordinator, which is basically like their second head coach because not like Mike has anything to do with it. Micah... You could argue like Bosa could even take another step and be defensive player of the year level guy. I mean, he was this year, but like usually it's happened with Nick. It happened with Khalil Mack. That third year for a guy like you're headed to a Hall of Fame career, you just become fucking dominant. Well, and they made – they McCarthy took over play calling duty. I think I, Breer tweeted he's not – I but think that be Breer. worse or better. Uh, yeah. I, I, Their well, offense has been pretty good, I guess. Yeah, I, they they traded for Stephon Gilmore too. Don't forget that. So they they got more talented. I saw a stat. It's like the tenth straight year they've acquired somebody else's former first round pick, or a first round pick. The Cowboys. That's like the, that's like the Al Davis. Um, but it counts like twenty twenty. They got Alton Smith, which I'd forgotten about. I mean, it was good for them. Remember that? Um, that's moments, yeah. They actually they get like multiple former first rounders every year. Uh. Amari. But yeah, they're they're more talented. I mean, I think Dallas has probably upgraded its talent. I, while we were talking, uh, somebody in the chat said that Dalton Schultz signed with the Texans. Um, but now I do you think look at his, he, he had just, he had five hundred seventy yards. He's he's not like he banked on him. So he he played on the tag instead of taking. He had like a three year thirty million dollar offer. I don't know what he signed with the Texans for, but yeah, that backfired. They did. Uh, but the one thing with Dallas. Is I don't think they can. I I'm I don't think they can win a championship with their coach. Um, but whatever doesn't mean they can't. There's a difference in winning a super. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they could have. Tony Pollard got hurt last year, and it came down to you know the very end of the game. So you got to put them. Away. I think there. I think there's a clear big three in the NFC, and then it's just 
I, I do not put the Giants there by any means. I, I think the Niners, Cowboys, and Eagles, I think you're looking at three teams that expect to get the number one seed. Like I, I think that internally in those buildings, like the goal is like we're gonna have the first round bye. I mean, is there any other team that no. can really Green Bay used to be they're not? Would New, does New Orleans think they can get there? Maybe, but they're not in that group of teams that we just talked about. They, um, if, if they actually come together, they could benefit. Like, what if their division just sucks? So they get yeah, a they three, could, six and zero for sure. But I mean, they they won seven games last year. Their quarterbacks never their quarterbacks played one playoff game. So you know, they're just not in the class that we just talked of teams we just talked about. Now you know they'd be like, well, the Niners are banking on who to play quarterback. Yeah. You know, that's but there's a big difference on. of going like, are they going to go from Probably. seven to twelve or more likely go seven to ten? Yeah, Tampa's out of it. The Giants no, Seattle no. So you know, yeah, that's the group. I, th- there's a lot Rams? of Rams, healthy Rams. What about Dan Campbell Lions? No, they got a top ten pick. No, they have their own pick. No. I, I'm not talking number one seed. I'm thinking. Oh. I, I saw. Oh, we were I heard someone say, or maybe I read, they are the betting favorite right now to win the division. Which. They are, they're going to be fascinating, right? Because everyone's going to pick them to make the playoffs. Yeah. How do they handle that? They can't play us against the world anymore. You are. A, Did they lose their are, running back? Was it Jamal Williams? Did he resign? Uh, no, he went with Derek to the same. I mean, he's like a heart. He was like, we remember Harden. Like he's one of the heart of that heart, hearts of that team. Yeah. Um, well, they lost like a couple million bucks too. Wow. So I mean, Rams are a team that we're not mentioning. That you know, if in the end they're like around one thing they could do because they have two picks you know most people think the texas running back is like of the last like 20 years like one of the better prospects like adrian peterson just an all-time like legit prospect coming up what if they got b john robinson on the ramps or i mean on the lions i'm I'm not buying jared goff's taking you to one seed again i'm not talking necessarily one seed. when their division talking more yeah I'm buying. I think they. I think they could make an argument if Goff continues just to play solid, their talent on their roster, that they are the the clear tier of Eagles, Niners, Cowboys, and then they they're right there. They're more talented than the Giants. That their coach, you know, we'll see. Everyone's acting like Ben Johnson, the coordinator they had, is like the next fucking Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. We'll see. The pressure's on them, but talent wise, they are. I mean, they have a top, I don't know, sixth, seventh pick from uh, from the Rams. I think Seattle's got five. Seattle's got seven. Maybe they got five. Uh, it's six. Eagles Seattle 10. has five. Raiders have seven. It's their own pick. Was that a shot? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, just having fun. <laughs> Um, are you surprised Adam Thielen didn't go to a good team? You look at his numbers. I mean, they kind of been diminished. Yeah. He's old. He's older. Uh, not very fast. I think he did the JJ Watt. Of oh, I wonder if anyone was in remotely close to the money that fourteen million dollars guaranteed. Yeah, I can see a lot of good teams. Like, hey man, we'd love to have you for six. Chiefs, Bills, whoever, like Seattle, like hey, we'll give you. Four guaranteed incentives up to like eight, nine, 14 million. I wonder if there was really a market for that. That's a lot of money to give a guy that I've always respected him, but it didn't feel like they hesitated cutting. 
obviously financially they got in a weird spot, but I, you just get to the point when you're an older player and it's double the money. It's like not even a question. You're like, I just, the bills want me. They're offering six. It's like, bro, you could win a Super Bowl. You're already really rich or you just can't turn down $14 million. Yeah. I mean, I think the bills are the team that made a lot of sense for him, but if you're going to make twice as much money in what could be one of the last two or three years of your career, who knows? But, Maybe you think Bryce Young's good. I don't know. But, but don't you think a lot of good, like good teams, I'd be shocked if like the Chiefs didn't sniff around, not for much money, the, the Giants, like offensive coaches. Yeah. That are, we plan on going to the playoffs. You will get, you'll get your catches and get your touchdowns. Or it's just one of those, remember Jordy Nelson came to the Raiders? Like you just, you get a number that's a lot higher than everybody else. And then you just head off to the sunset. Jordy was pretty. Jordy was that one was rough. Jordy felt like it was past where Thielen is right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. He's a better player right now than Jordy Nelson was. Did Jordy go back to the Packers for you after that? Uh, I remember watching him thinking like his career's over. And then did he get another year? I don't think there's a few players like that where you're like, it is all over for Matt Schaub, and then he plays like four more years. No, he ended with the Raiders. All right. I think it was like a hard end, right? That was it. You mean like, like didn't that, go to a camp the next year? I'm just saying like he just played one season for the Raiders, right? And it was career over. Yeah, yeah. One one and done. But I mean, he had had 97. Like, it's funny in the NFL how fast. He had 97 catches, 1,000 yards, 14 touchdowns in 2016. So after the 2016 season, Jordy Nelson is living large. Two years later, he's out of the league after playing for the Raiders. Well, if, if you meet someone in the NFL and they just had 14 touchdowns and you go, how much longer do you think your career's got? Do you, you think they're like, they're selling stock on themselves? Hell no. <laughs> I had 14 fucking touchdowns in a six. So, he, I mean, basically a, average what, like 0.85 touchdowns a game in 2016? I mean, he scored basically every game on average. There's only 16 games. Yeah. So, I, mean, I mean, I'm sure the Packers were probably decent that year, so he's on one of the better teams in the league. And it's just over. That's where Aaron wants these guys to get some respect on their way out. You know, he's just he's not asking for much. He's asking for say thank you. It it happens. It's more tangible, I think, with offensive players like running backs, tight ends, and receivers, because like Damn, he had 80 catches, and then a year later he's cutting out of the league. Where it's like defensive players, it's hard to like it's probably more tape based, like this corner can't run anymore. <laughs> it, oh, like, you know, Navarro had an end like that, though. Navarro had a incredibly quick thrown off the bridge ending to his career. Cause remember it was like not crazy when you when you really talk it out though. Devastating knee. Take him two hours to get ready for practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speed completely gone. You could argue it was just when his leg snapped. It was just trended. Nowhere yep. near what he once was. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kyle didn't Kyle basically put him out the pasture? Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, they, he played he played for the Niners that year, and then he got caught a couple season. years. Well, I mean, he got caught a couple games into the season, right? Yeah, 16, he he came back, played four, then he played five games in 17, and then played 10 for the Raiders that same year. Oh, yeah, Del Rio and Reggie. But 
Man, he had 154 tackles and 15. Uh, Chris Borland had a quick ending. Well, didn't Chris Borland, he retired, right? Yeah. One and done. Yeah. All right. Anything else to add here? Chris Borland was like the Chet Holmgren of uh, middle linebackers. Chet, man. That wasn't that wasn't even I'd forgotten. Were were you and I talking about Chet the other day? I don't think uh I was texting somebody about Chet, just like he wasn't it wasn't even I don't think it was summer league, it was like Drew League. Yeah, well, right. it was the LeBron it was that it was LeBron, LeBron game. Playing with LeBron, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God. UCLA Gonzaga Thursday night. Good game. Eight straight sweet sixteens for Gonzaga. I thought it was more. Is it not more? I thought there might have been a gap. I, I thought Timmy said eight. That we we were coming into this game seven straight. We refused. We didn't want to be the team. Are they more impressive than Boise State football? Football's so much harder, I think, to get where Boise got. But Gonzaga is a big boy. Like they've been to two national championship games. Think about that. Like Boise never sniffed a national championship game. You'd say Gonzaga is clearly like a top. Six seven program in the country currently, right? Yeah, yeah. Would Sorry, if, so if you lose in the third, I guess well, they're the, never playing in the plan, right? No, 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 yeah, but I'm just confused. What does third round mean? I've always won, yeah, okay. So eight years at the Sweet 16, but they've won a game every year going back, they haven't been one and done since 2010 when they were the oh no they won that year too god i mean they just win all the time yeah he's he's done a pretty good job so they've they haven't lost in the second round since 2010 are they have you seen the line on ucla ucla is like a two and a half point favorite i believe would you say that's a in your mind is that a coin flip game do yes. you think UCLA has an edge? Um, well, considering I told you that I didn't hate your Arizona that a national championship round pick, um, I think it's a pretty even game. Yeah, I did put two hundred dollars on Gonzaga to win the whole thing, so I'm I'm all in. Do you I think like Gonzaga is? Are they the best? You know, because Mick hasn't been there that long. Obviously, UCLA is rolling now. You know, Arizona, they've had a couple moments, but they're they're still the gap, what they once were under loot. They're still one of the best programs, but is Gonzaga the number one program on the West Coast for basketball right now? Would you put UCLA ahead of them? Just name recognition's bigger, but like... I mean, in fact, they haven't lost a game. If you're saying like the last 10 years, who's just had the best run, it's absolutely Gonzaga. If you're saying all three jobs are open, what job would the best coach take? Well, I think Gonzaga would be third. Right? Yeah. I think Arizona would easily get. Well, if you were Gonzaga, you'd argue like, well, just come here. You're going to go to the tournament every year. You're going to roll through your regular season as the number one offense in the country. You know, well, like UCLA's proven, right? They are. An, their program is bigger than their coach for the most part. Right. Like Howland going to final fours. Alford was nitpicked, but he was pretty successful. Elite eights. Yeah. Mick Cronin's kicking ass and taking names. Arizona, we can nitpick some of their early exits, elite program, bunch of different coaches. Is Gonzaga just a, you know, the coach? Oh, after Mark Few. Yeah, good question. 
You know, I mean, but, you'd have to say but, we all we know now is it's the coach. That's all we know right now. Like Boise clearly is a high end football program. I would say the peak of them is Chris Peterson. And it's just not as good without him. It's not been the same without him. Still good. Still very competitive and impressive. But like, you know, whenever Mark Few retires, like let's just say he wins the national championship this year. Wins it. And just is like, I'm fucking out. And just, I'm going out on top. Yeah. Because part of my logic betting on them was like, you know, the last couple of years because of Suggs and Holmgren, there was a lot of pressure on them, right? Two years ago, they they answered the bell and they got to the natty and they got worked, but that was pretty incredible. <laughs> like, that's pretty good, getting to the national championship. Last year, felt like even more pressure because it was like, this is the year they're going to win it. Did Arkansas knock them out? Whoever got knocked them out kind of in the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16, it was kind of like, holy shit, and they just kind of got worked. I think it might have been Musselman in the in the uh, Sweet 16. And then this year, I don't I don't watch them. I just know Timmy's on the team. But it's like, it feels like they're flying under the radar. And then I remember like halftime flipping on the WCC game against St. Mary's. Now, clearly St. Mary's and Gonzaga, there's a gap between the two. Programs, but they beat the fucking piss out of them. And I'm like... I think this team, the previous years were like a five, six to one team to win it. And then I look at the odds, they're 15 to one. I'm like, this team, all the returning guys, they got one of the best players in the tournament. They got a coach who can beat anybody. This, if this was Kentucky or, you know, uh, Duke with the same kind of group, they would be, they would get much more respect. And if you they don't have UCLA, be, like they, the, they, they're going, I think. Uh, to the final four to the national championship. To the final four. They, yeah. they play the winner of UConn, Arkansas, and Arkansas is a little down this year. Yeah. They they you don't have to this is not the best team they've had, but that doesn't matter. You just have to be better than the other teams in your bracket. And this whole thing is pretty wacky this year. Um Kansas I think if won it last year, it's not self's best team, right? Right. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't um uh it feels like they're due, first of all. They've been to a lot of these, and Drew Timmy's one of the greatest, it turns out, most prolific tournament players ever right he joined the list of like a handful of guys who've had nine 20 point games in the ncaa tournament last night and was dominant um if they beat ucla i think it'll say a lot about them too because they are like in terms of how you play opposites they score like 84 they score a ton of points and ucla doesn't win games in the 80s they don't even play them so it's a great kind of test for them if they win the game it'll say like we can play either style you know, I think it's I think it's setting up for them. And again, they could easily lose, and all this what I'm saying is irrelevant. That TCU game feels like was one of the better games so far of the tournament. Just high yeah. level. You beat UCLA, which is always an incredible moment for a program when they're good and you're good in West Coast teams. What if you get Must Bus, who yeah, I saw someone in the chat did kick his ass last year. You get a revenge tour, beat them, and then you go to the Final Four playing sweet teams. I mean, you got to be like Alabama and fucking Houston. I mean, it would be hard. <laughs> But be his moment. It would be. It feels like he deserves it. Uh, to finish here, Mo says, Guy and John, the Eagles were 1-4, 1-5 with Sirianni calling plays. Now they lost their play caller to the Colts. This is a legitimate take. Their season changed when Nick Sirianni stopped calling plays for them in 2021. So there is a question about what comes next for Philly. Now they promoted a guy, right? Utah quarterback. 
Oh, Brian. Yeah, Brian Johnson, who a lot of people really have liked for a long, for several years. He's kind of been a hot name. So maybe they'll be fine. It's not going back to Sirianni. But yeah, that's a legitimate point about, about it's a question that Philly has to answer. And they haven't said yet, you know, it's like, well, so is Brian Johnson taking Because it's one thing to be the offensive coordinator, right? There are a lot of them throughout the league. Uh, Slowick was last year. McDaniel was the year before. <laughs> LaFleur's Bennett. You're the offensive coordinator. A lot of guys have been it for McVay. Well, if you're not calling the plays, you know, I think we too liberally throw around that term without like, well, he's not calling the plays. No, he's like an assistant coach that helps with the game plan while the other guy calls the plays. Yeah. Is Brian Johnson calling the plays? Because Brian well, Johnson, I had forgotten this, but for a long, Dak Prescott, Mississippi State, and then he was a Mullen guy. Like once he left Utah, he transitioned to like Dan Mullen, who for before everyone started making fun of him two years ago, I'd say Dan Mullen was considered one of the better offensive play callers and absolutely. offensive minds in college football. So I would, you I would guess Brian Johnson's calling the plays. I would too be. And here's why. If you're Sirianni, you can't lose play calling duties twice as the head coach. He like gave him all- of himself though. Mm, according to no. who? <laughs> You know what I mean? The only way Sirianni can call plays is, A, if they're just up Shit's Creek without a paddle on a, on play caller. Or, B, you just know. Like, your job's on the line, and you have to do it to save your job to prove that you can do it. But you cannot remain a head coach of a team in which they've taken play calling duties from you twice in a three-year span. You just can't do it. So you, you have to let Brian Johnson start as the play caller. Do you think next year more people – and when I obviously this doesn't matter, but I just mean general consensus people that cover the league, talk about the league. Most people that aren't like biased toward either side will pick the Eagles to be the best team in the NFC. Yes. The Niners and the Cowboys. Yes. So by Eagles far, pick. for sure. Right. They got the quarterback coming back. They are going to have dramatically. I mean, they had pressure this year once they entered as the season went on the pressure, but start to finish. <laughs> Like the bullseye, they're going to be treated like the Chiefs. Like, yeah, I well, not quite. I think it's going to be, if I just split it up, I'd say it's going to be like forty-five percent to fifty percent Eagles, thirty to thirty-five percent Niners, and then whatever that leaves over. I I even think like twenty percent would be too high for Dallas. Fifteen percent, I don't see how. I I, I don't see how. Yeah, a C- couple rogue guys picking the Lions or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And Giants that, and Dallas isn't. There's like fifteen percent left over from Eagles Niners, and eight of that goes to the Cowboys. But not counting former Cowboy players employees, you know, like Jason Garrett on NBC and like Michael. Has the Irvin tape been released yet? Uh, you know, it feels like his lawyers the other day said they're going to release it. And I was like, oh, I can't wait for the lawyers to release it. And then I stopped. I didn't see, watch this, follow the story that day. No, I haven't. Um, I saw he's, is he suing for 500 million or something? Michael Irvin? Oh yeah. He's suing. Is it Marriott? Marriott. Listen, I, I can't speak to his situation. I'm a, I'm a loyal Marriott guy. I have been for a decade. Great point system. And they pay him in points, you think? Would you settle a lawsuit in points with an airline or a, a hotel? Ultimately, you were just sent home if you didn't lose your job. If they came to you and said, unlimited points, nicest hotels, whenever, wherever you want, moving forward the rest of your life. That's your life. Is that That's a pretty, pretty good, good deal? It is, but like 50 or whatever million is better, you know. Because ideally, yeah, just... you'd want to take their money and then spend it somewhere else. Would you double dip? Would you be like, listen... 
It's like a negotiation. I won't make you pay me 50. You pay me 30, and I get unlimited points to the the five. Not not like the Spring Hill Suites, but like any yeah, JW, JW. Any, yeah. anywhere I'm going, I get unlimited minimum if I want like three rooms, not just one room. Like I want my friends, my family, kids. But what if you are so, so rich, and the best hotel in town is like, I don't even the Mandarin Oriental, like one of these places. And you're like, well, I'm staying at the, uh, I feel obligated to stay at the JW because it's on points. Like you don't want to do that. You know, true, true, true. I don't know. You, you're the only one on this, uh, this podcast that stayed at a four season. So I, I've, I, was, I don't even know the nicest <laughs> hotel I've ever stayed at. Yeah, I know. It's hard to stay anywhere else after, but I've only stayed other places after. <laughs> All right. On that note, thanks for hanging. Would you say, everybody. would you say it's that incredible at a four seasons? I, I mean, it was great. Yeah, it was great. But um, you can have a great hotel experience, not at a Four Seasons, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's a level of service that I, I that comes with it that you probably become accustomed to, you know. Yeah. And it did have a TV in the shower or bathtub or that's that's bathroom. hard to be like that's in the mirror, in the bathroom mirror. You know, you didn't even know it was there. Touchscreen or like you have to like. No, I don't remember how it was in. controlled. It was just in the. Yeah. In the glass, but. So if you ask Joe, like once you start, that's B. Lakeup who paid for Haberman's uh, Four Seasons. Once you start staying at Four Seasons, you probably never go back to even like the next tier down, huh? Yeah, that's where like the NFL PA players thing, you know, it's like if you played on a team where everybody had their own like first class seat and then you play on a team where you're sharing leg room with the trainer, I, I give you, you, you're allowed to complain about that. Like I get it, you know. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a reason, right? The uh, the Major League Baseball teams that are playing the Oakland Athletics stay in downtown San Francisco because they right. only have the two sweet hotels. Yeah, they stay at the St. Regis <laughs> or the Sir Francis Drake. Remember, remember, w. Shaq famously once on TNT postgame didn't know at the time the Warriors stayed played in Oracle because they always stayed at the Four Seasons. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> he was shocked. <laughs> he was dead serious and it's all timer everyone thought like he, he's blind. no it, it actually makes sense if you're not get, get on the bus the you really know the geography yeah yeah not paying attention yeah. makes sense I all right later y'all later when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.